Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. This is A.B. Dawji and this is the Big Picture broadcasting simultaneously on Radio Islam and Radio Al-Ansar. Ahlan wa sahlan. And how's it? Bayo, Beno or Buzruko? All you wonderful people out there, people of great philosophical insight, visionaries of astounding analytical capabilities, towering intellectuals of heightened cerebral prowess, people of formidable ethical and moral rectitude. Well, <laughs> there you are, folks. That's what I think of you all. I don't really know what it all means, but it sounds lekker, ne? Eh? Well, there's a lot on the plate to digest this week. And of course, there is one big story on everyone's mind at the moment. And well, we'll get to it shortly. But first, let's look at the side issues, local issues. You know, we are only in January, but already I feel that we have we have already got the Mampara of the year 2024. Yes, folks, this Laddu, or should I say, Mutia, a word that rhymes very well with the word that my grandfather used to use, which I cannot repeat on this family radio station. Yes, this Mutia only opens his mouth to take out one foot and put the other one in. Yes, as folks, hmm, none other than our very own. Let's hear for it. Put your hands together, Mr. Razumataz. And that, of course, is Fikile Mbalula. Yes, a very fickle character indeed. This Muhu made a huge blunder. You know, he could have very well stood up on a building and shouted, we, the ANC, are big liars, and our lies cost the country millions. Here's the background to the story. The background to the story. Let me see if I can find it very quickly. In you know, in 2014, then public protector Tuli Madansela found that Zuma unduly benefited from upgrades to his private Nkandla residence in KwaZulu-Natal. Um, in her report, known as Secure and Comfort, Madansela recommended that Zuma pay back at least part of the estimated 246 million spent on the improvements to the property not related to security. However, senior ANC members continued to back Zuma with then police minister Nati Inkleko using his powers to do so. And dear listeners, here is the bombshell that Fikile dropped. We, and he just said that a few days ago, we went to parliament and opened an ad hoc committee and said a swimming pool is a fire pool. The police minister, Nati Nkleko was sweating, seeing that this was a lie because it is difficult to explain lies. People have lost their careers because of that thing. Eh? <laughs> Hi, bo. Hey, wena. Yo, 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 yo. You, the ANC, spoke lies to cover for Zuma. <laughs> <laughs> and how he giggled away in Parliament when the ANC shouted down the opposition who accused him, Zuma, of selling out to the Guptas. 
And of course, you will remember, pay back the money, pay back the money, pay back the money. Red Berets were onto it. Ah, eh? those wonderful days of wholesale looting. But we expected the old man to feel very embarrassed and go and hide under a rock or something, especially when Zondo hung up all the dirty underwear. Not so, Habibi, not so. The shower man never left the stage. In fact, he is strutting it like a peacock, like a comeback kid. I came across an extremely chilling, chilling article about Jacob Zuma written by Justice Malala who pulls no punches at all. No punch, punches. Um, and it's a longish article and I've got so much of material today that if I've got time later, inshallah, then I will read it at the end. So, uh, it's all about the boogeyman who is coming to catch all of us. <laughs> okay, let's leave that and move over to the main cause. Something that has gripped the country over the past two days. You know, I really don't know what I can tell you about this hot subject because right now you are all experts vigorously arguing about all aspects of the issue. It's a national talking point. Let me begin by saying that three things shocked me at the end of last year. Firstly, the brazen manner in which Hamas crossed the border into Israel, took 240 people captives in a daring raid known as Operation Al-Aqsa Flood. Secondly, I was absolutely shocked at the indiscriminate bombardment of Gaza by Israel and the wholesale slaughter of men, women, and children in full glare of a global audience. Thirdly, I was shocked to hear that South Africa had the guts to take Israel to the International Court of Justice. Yes, folks, each one of these three things had me totally flummoxed. So I will attempt to unpack each of these shocking developments. But before I get there, let me say a few things about the big Jamarat, the big Jamarat, the United States of America, the paragon of virtue, the guardian of human rights and international law, and a custodian of civilized value. <laughs> As I said that, I felt like running to the sink, running to the sink. So here's a question. Israel has been murdering the Palestinians. The, um, the, the, the world said that the United Nations, please stop this immediately. Israel must stop this immediately. America blocked the resolution one after the other, meaning please continue with the killings. So what does that make America? Right? Secondly, Israel has been murdering Palestinians. While, and while it was doing so, America, that um, genocide Joe, supplied Israel with $145 million uh, worth of arms. So what does that make America? And the answer is, altogether now, that's right, an accessory to the crime, aiding and abetting the genocide. Thank you. 
At least we agree on that. Okay, Mota? Now, against this back, backdrop, we had that ridiculous man, Anthony Blinken, the American Secretary of State, Foreign Minister, let's call him, doing a tour of the Middle East. Poor fellow must have carried a big bottle of Panado. You know, it's like two chorwans breaking into your house and they tie you up and one guy tells you, Uncle, don't worry, eh? I'll try to convince my chomi not to steal too much. <laughs> How are you expected to answer eh, when the guy tells you that? Why are you going to tell him, hey, bro, you're such a nice, uh, oh, except go check in the fridge, there's some Pepsi and Mari biscuit in the cupboard and all. And so Anthony presented himself before some journalists at a pre press conference on Tuesday. And I was wondering what the blinking hell will he be speaking about? And when he did speak, I so strongly wished that Muntadar Al-Zaidi was there. Muntadar Al-Zaidi, he's the Iraqi journalist who at a press conference in Baghdad on the 14th of December 2008, removed his shoes and threw them at George Bush, the war criminal who bombed Iraq to smithereens based on lies about weapons of mass destruction. We need a hundred more Muntadar Al-Zaidi to demonstrate our anger at these lying killers of children and babies who are given the respect they don't deserve by the so-called leaders of the Muslim world. Makes me sick to see how they welcome Blinken with warm embrace and handshakes. and Handshakes, the hand that's dripping with the blood of Palestinian children. Hey, I was so cross. I get cross when I see that. So he met the Arab leaders and no doubt, no doubt tried to show them that America is cons as concerned as they are about what's happening to the Palestinians in Gaza. Then he sat in at the meeting of uh, the Israeli war cabinet with Netanyahu and his right-wing, rabidly racist, criminal, lunatic gang. And of course he had to tell him, hey, I understand about your concerns regarding Hamas and the terrible terrorist attack they conducted on 7th October. And so the silly man stood in front of the media and had to do a merry dance, merry dance, contortionist, like a circus guy, walk the tightrope, all kinds of things. He was pathetic to say the least. And as he spoke, <laughs> while he was speaking, all through his speech, I kept on hearing myself saying, shut up, shut up. And after another minute, I would say, you liar, liar. And a second later again, shut up, shut up. <laughs> and again, liar, liar, liar. And uh, so these were the comments I uh, shouted as I heard the stupid man. And then uh, Zara, my granddaughter, came running into the lounge. Nana, Nana, what happened? Are you okay? <laughs> Seriously, folks, I was so cross, I could have taken off my chumple and thrown it at the TV, but with my kind of luck, it would have cracked. Anyway, to the press conference. Here's some of the questions Blinken was asked by the journalist. Sir, America has given large stocks of weapons to Israel 
while the killings are carrying on. How can you justify that? Well, Blinken shuffled a little bit here and there and appeared to let off some gas and then said uh, that according to United States law regarding the sale of weapons, there must be absolutely proper uh, accounting given to us, proper account given to us by the purchaser as to how each of these weapons is used. <laughs> uh, well, dear listeners, my response as a political political analyst was very loud. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I said to when I heard his answer. <laughs> Say, Kassam, you stupid lying mutya. You think we were born yesterday, eh? You expect us to believe that each bomb or missile you gave um, to Israel is recorded in a register. Hmm? And uh, to show that it was not used for bad purposes, eh? What were they used for? Maybe as 10 pins at a bowling alley, eh? And there's a little point that was left out of the discussion. Guess who bypassed the United States Congress and very, very quickly cleared the delivery of 14,155 millimeter, these are huge missiles and bombs to Israel. Guess who? Hmm? Anthony Blinken. Dear listeners, my blood pressure shot up as this uh, Mutia spoke. Then someone asked, one of the journalists, but sir, thousands of Palestinians are being killed. His answer, and I really took off my shoe for this one. His answer, he actually said this, well, Hamas is firing from schools and hospitals using Palestinians as human shields. Whoa, oof. dear people, dear people, lucky the kids were already upstairs because that's when I shouted a very bad word and made Toba Toba immediately. Israelis were killing Palestinians and this Mutya was killing me with his lies. So what, what else did he say? Eh? He said, we have to sort out the Houthis. <laughs> we have to sort out the Houthis because we have the obligation to uphold international law. Uh, my chest started painting at that point. I went out to get some fresh air. International law? You have an obligation to uphold international law? Are, are you serious? Eh? The United States of America has allowed Israel to break every international law, every convention, and ignore every United Nations resolution asking it to behave. And you want to uphold international law by bombing the Houthis? Hi, boy. Serious. <laughs> then he said that the Arabs agreed to rebuild Gaza after the war because of the conflict. Hello? Hello? Earth to Blinken. I beg your pardon? The conflict destroyed the buildings? You mean Hamas was also guilty of flattening entire neighborhoods? Hmm? Entire neighborhoods? Really? Arabs must rebuild what Israel destroyed? Strong Sparks Road stuff you got there, Mamu. Rebuild after the war. 
And then he said, uh, we have to have a part, a part after the war, right? We have to have a two state solution. Have some Palestinian group ruling parts of Gaza after the war, after the war. Hmm? What about the war itself? The slaughter going on. What have you to say about that, eh, Mr. Big Shot Statesman? You told Netanyahu that he must have a ceasefire immediately. Is that what you did about the war? Did you speak about that? No, nothing about stopping the killings. Nothing. No, talk about the Houthis and some two-state solution thing in the future and Arabs must rebuild and all kinds of bull. And yes, you told Netanyahu that he must try to reduce the killings. Reminds me of the Chorwans who were, Chorwan who was going to tell his Chomi to steal less. Guess what happens? The day after he left, Israel sent a clear message to him. The bombings increased at an amazing level. And this was his fourth visit since October 7th. What the blinking hell did he come there for? Everyone ignores him, the silly man. Better if he made a recording of his first visit and gave it to the Arab leaders and to Netanyahu and his band of merry killers to play every now and then and have a good laugh. Just laugh at him. And the pathetic man decided to give us the benefit of his wisdom on Tuesday, on the on the question of the genocide charge at the ICJ that was coming up in two days' time. He said that the claim of genocide that South Africa submitted was meritless. Meritless. Meritless meaning having no substance, no evidence there at all, nothing of value, no reasonable points of argument, completely empty of facts and so on. Meritless. Wow. <laughs> he, he didn't even know what our team was going to say, but dismissed it as fit for to be thrown in the bin. Wow, what a guy. Hmm? What a faithful Zionist poodle. Throw him a bone, someone. And he actually gave a reason why he regarded it as, as a meritless. He said that South Africa's submission, here, these are his actual words, South Africa's submission distracts the world from efforts to release the hostages taken by Hamas, secondly, addressing the humanitarian crisis in Gaza and preventing the conflict from spreading. Hmm? So we took the, <laughs> took Israel to the ICJ and therefore we distracted from all these things that you could sort out. Right. Let me just get rid of a call coming in. Anyway, he gave three reasons why taking Israel to the ICJ is meritless. Well, allow me, sir, Mr. Blinken, to tell you very clearly the three reasons you gave are in themselves meritless. May I go further and say that you are talking sh sheer nonsense, eh? a steaming load of bull manure. 
But of course, you have to distract the world from what was going on, what was going to take place at the Hague. You were going to distract the world from the what was going to be taking place at the ICJ. Because for the first time in living memory, hmm, Israel, your pal Israel, will have to stand in court and explain why sucking the blood of the Palestinians doesn't make it a Dracula. Hey, did someone mention blood libel? A term that's been bandied about. And so, dear listeners, the U.S. Secretary, the U.S. Secretary of State, um, was in a real state, Secretary of State was in a really real state as he left the region, the Middle East, because neither the Arabs nor his boss Netanyahu gave him tea and nankatai. All he had to comfort him was his bottle of panado. Shem, shem, man. Anyway, let's get to the meat and potatoes. South Africa's submission that Israel should be condemned for perpetrating a genocide on the Palestinian people. But but again, let me pause and present the big picture. Let's rewind a bit, okay? The Jews of Europe poured into Palestine in the early 1900s, not with good intention to live in peace and harmony with the Palestinians, Christians and Muslim Palestinians, uh, neighbors who were all who were already there for centuries. Hmm. Did they want to sit and have mensaf on Friday at a Palestinian home and the next day hummus um, on the Sabbath with the Jewish people? No, sorry. No. When they came into Palestine, they immediately formed themselves into militia groups, Haganah, Irgun, and Stern. Why? Because they wanted to get rid of the Palestinians from Palestine. That was the aim. You got that? Genocidal intentions right from the moment they arrived in Palestine. And they did just that in the months before they created their state, Israel, in 1948. These military groups, well-armed, chased 750,000 Palestinians off the land. That's over half the population at that time. Terrorized and murdered. 750,000 left their homes and fled to surrounding countries, Jordan, Syria, Egypt, Lebanon, etc. 540 Palestinian villages were destroyed. Genocidal intent. They took 78% of the land of Palestine, except Gaza and the West Bank. Then in 1967, they took the the 22% Gaza and the West Bank. Now, I keep repeating this brief history because many people don't know that the Zionists took over the whole of Palestine. Some people believe that they are two countries, Palestine fighting Israel. There is no Palestine except in the hearts and minds of people. Okay, here's something else that's missing in the debate about Hamas. You know, we only hear one song played over and over in the mainstream media and by most um, political commentators. Hmm? One song played over and over by most political commentators. Hamas is a vicious terrorist organization whose singular 
focus aim is to kill every Jew in Israel and every Jew in the whole world. Hey, you heard that right many times. Magic stuff, Habibi, magic. So let's look at the facts that often get in the way of the fairy tales of propaganda. Israel was uh, created in 1948 after terrorizing the Palestinians, ethnic cleansing it's called, an aspect of genocide. 1967, it took over the whole place. There was no Hamas then. Hamas only came into being 20 years later in 1987 when Israel went on a killing spree, massacring hundreds of fed-up young Palestinians like the apartheid government did in 1967. Hamas was formed then, and yes, in its charter, in its declaration, it said that Jews must be eliminated. Hmm? All kinds of things there in its origin. It was very, very upset at what was happening. It said Jews control the world, the monetary system, and, and created havoc around the world, all kinds of things like that which one might say is anti-Semitic. And, you know, just as originally when the ANC was formed, its charter said that it must be exclusively for blacks. And later on, their charter changed. The U.S. founding document, their charter, when the United States was, was established, it took 100 years for the charter to be changed over and over again until... It got the final one. So yes, the Hamas charter in 1987 did say that Jews must be targeted, Jewish money controls the world, and all of Palestine must be liberated, and Jews must be chased away. And so, so right up to today, people repeat this over and over. Look at the charter. They want to kill the Jews and all of that. Hamas wants to kill every Jew, throw, throw every Jew, throw the, them into the sea. Wagera, wagera, wagera. Did you ever hear what the spiritual leader of Hamas, Sheikh Ahmad Yassin, said about Jews? Hey, did you? Okay, fasten your seatbelts because you are in for a very big surprise. Listen to this. And you can pick it up on Wikipedia. Just have to go and Google Sheikh Ahmad Yassin, spiritual head of Hamas, views on Jews. He said, we don't hate Jews and fight Jews because they are Jewish. They are a people of faith. And we are a people of faith, and we love all people of faith. If my brother from my own mother and father and my own faith takes my homes and expels me from it, I will fight him. I will fight my cousin if he takes my home and expels me from it. So when a Jew takes my home and expels me, me from it, I will fight him. I don't fight other countries because I want, because I want to be at peace with them. I love all people and wish peace for them, even the Jews. The Jews lived with us all our lives and we never assaulted them. And they held high positions in government and ministries. But if they take my home and make me a refugee, make me a refugee like 4 million Palestinians in exile, hey, we don't hate the Jews. We only ask for them to give us our rights. And in his 1997 speech, he said, I want to proclaim loudly to the world that we are not fighting Jews because they are Jews. We are fighting them because they assaulted us, they killed us. They took our land, our homes, our children, our women. They scattered us. We became scattered everywhere. Okay, let me just say, his words sound like what Mandela would say. We don't hate all the whites. We hate the fact that they have taken away our rights and our land. 
And some may describe this as a real cracker by Sheikh Yassin. In a 1999 uh, interview with an Egyptian newspaper, he again offered a truce. He said, we have to be realistic. We are talking about a homeland that was stolen a long time ago in 1948. And then again in 1967. My generation today is telling the Israelis, let's solve this problem now on the basis of the 1967 borders. Let's end this conflict by declaring a temporary ceasefire. Let's leave the bigger issues for future generations to decide. The Palestinians will decide in the future about the nature of relations with Israel. But must, it must be a democratic decision. Wow. Did you hear that? Eh? Did you hear the last part? Good heavens. He actually said that Hamas is ready to accept a homeland for the Palestinians made up of just the West Bank and Gaza, just 22% of historic Palestine. Hmm? Did you ever hear that anywhere? It's right there. Go and search for it. And what happened? Sheikh Yassin, old man, almost blind, quadriplegic, in a wheelchair, was emerging, was being wheeled out after Fajr Salah. And then that was in 2004 when the missile hit his wheelchair. Hmm? Two bodyguards and nine bystanders were killed. 200,000 Palestinians attended his funeral. And guess what? Hamas changed its charter about Jews, etc., and took a softer stance about the land. But you don't hear about that. You hear, oh, you know what, the original charter. You never hear that Hamas changed its char charter. You don't hear that Hamas took part in the Palestinians' elections. Palestinian election in 2006. Hmm? Elections for what my, you might call a Bantustan, the West Bank and the Gaza, bits of it. Guess what happened? Hamas won the elections against Mahmoud Abbas's Fatah party. Hamas got 75, 74 seats to Mahmoud Abbas's 45. Israel didn't like the result of this free and fair election by the Palestinian people and put Gaza where Hamas had the most support under suffocating siege that devastated the people completely. 2006 to now, inhumane blockade. Blockade, eh? So what do you do there when you're suffering and you're in a block? Well, it's the largest open-air prison in the world. It's a concentration camp. Concentration, like Auschwitz. Let's keep saying that Gaza is Auschwitz, okay? All you hear in the Western media, it's Hamas, 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 a terrorist organization that wants to kill all Jews, Hamas, violently took over Gaza. And here's something else you don't hear. When Hamas broke out on the 7th of October, crossed over the big wall, the barrier, and captured 240 people from Israel, it had just one main demand, just one. He released the 5,000 prisoners in Israeli jails, of which 174 are juveniles. Many are detained without trial in terrible conditions, even tortured. So they said, we have taken these captives, called hostages by the West. We've taken these captives, and this is what you want. we want you to do. That's all. That was a clear purpose for taking the captives. You don't hear that at all. And what you do hear repeatedly we will stop the bombing if you release the hostages blinken also said that a few days ago if 
Hamas had released the hostages the next day on October 8th, then things would have been over. And part two, you hear this, it is Hamas that committed genocide by killing 1,200 Israelis, burning, raping, mutilating, etc., etc. Monsters, uncivilized, barbarians, vicious, that's what they are. Well, that story seems to be uh, meritless day by day, meritless. Nice word I learned there from Blinken. You know, I saw a Haaretz, this Israeli newspaper article, now if I recall correctly, that uh, said that Israel is struggling to find anyone who was raped. And um, of course we all know about the fiction of the 40 beheaded babies, that went out the window. But Israel has to keep the outrageous lies going to make the world believe that it is a victim of mindless, vicious terrorists of the worst kind, whose only goal is to kill, kill, kill for no reason at all. The devil reincarnates. The mainstream media, <laughs> mainstream media, is all I have to say. And you see the role they played in respect of the ICJ uh, hearings. Hmm? When South Africa made its presentation, the big boys, CNN, BBC, etc., gave it scant coverage, hardly any coverage. But when Israel presented its case yesterday, all stops were pulled bumper to bumper coverage. We know, we know full well about the bias in the media and governments of the West in favor of Israel. That has been one of the fundamental problems over the past 75 years. Bigotry and racism, let me say it clearly, racism that has shielded Israel from condemnation. You know, if somebody was killing whales or killing dogs, one shooting dogs just like that, there'll be an outrage in the world. And the Israeli official called them, the Palestinians, Animals, but I think it's less than animals is what he really means. Okay, at last to the ICJ hearings at The Hague, right? You're waiting for that. Never in 75 years did Israel expect that one day it will be called to account on such a huge global stage, big platform, where all its dirty laundry will be exposed to the world. It just carried on and carried on for the last 70 years as it always did, killing, displacing, imprisoning, destroying, and its public figures saying despicable racist things. It literally got away with murder, 75 years, saying and doing whatever. But wow, whoa, should I say, things changed overnight. Suddenly it, it's been put into the dock and its words and actions over the last three months are loud and clear for all to hear. Loud and clear. It never expected that its words would one day come back and bite it. Intent to commit genocide. It never happened before. Eh? It said and did vile things and nothing happened. And now it has to defend itself. Good heavens. Hey, eh? <laughs> what is the world coming to, Habibi? So, dear listeners, I want to unpack what our team did at The Hague. They were absolutely brilliant, very powerful, very incisive. A presentation full of merit, Mr. Blinken. As to the Israeli presentation, well, let me put it this way. Let me put it like this, okay? 
the Israeli president. You know, it brought tears to my eyes. Yeah, it brought tears to my eyes. They kept on saying how wonderful Israel was to the Palestinians during the war in Gaza. So caring in ensuring that not a single hair on the head of any Palestinian was damaged. You know, in the end, I concluded, after listening to them, that they did a better job in looking after the Palestinians in Gaza than Gift of the Givers and Alimdad combined. Made me cry loudly, Mamu. <laughs> Netanyahu is actually Mother Teresa. Palestinians should be celebrating all over Gaza. What an ungrateful lot for complaining. Well, dear listeners, as you can imagine, <laughs> my TV must be feeling very depressed because I shouted it so much as the Israeli delegation was making its propaganda points. Shut up! Liars, shut up! <laughs> You know, let me make one thing clear. The ICJ had only one job, to focus on whether Israel had the intention to and uh, did uh, commit genocide. doesn't have to prove everything. It's just plausible, meaning reasonable uh, to assume from all the evidence, just reasonable to assume that some of the people were were, um, uh, subjected to a genocidal action. That's all. Plausible. Nothing else. It can only try countries. That's another thing. It can only try countries, not groups like Hamas. Even if Hamas was regarded, even if we believe that it was a murderous gang of evil terrorists, well, they cannot be tried at the ICJ. They can be tried at the ICC, which is the International Criminal Court. You got that? No matter what Hamas did or didn't do, the ICJ cannot look at that. Only what Israel did. Israel was the focus of attention exclusively hmm? with its intention to commit genocide. That's what they had to look at. Let's see how we're doing for time. Not too bad. But just let me quickly touch on two aspects of the Israeli defense team, what they said in their presentation. They said, we did not deliberately target Palestinian civilians. We dropped leaflets telling them to leave the Gaza city and the north and move to safer areas in the south. Who would do such a thing in times of war? Telling people to move out of danger. Wow, man, that sounds so reasonable. But wait, hang on. After the people moved out, you, Israel, bombed the whole place, 70% of the buildings there in the north in Gaza City, and the entire infrastructure bombed it to the ground, flattened it. Why? Because you had no intention for the Palestinians to return after everything is over because there was nothing, there would be nothing to return to. Right? Secondly, you told them to move to the south, the so-called safe areas, and then you bombed them there. Why? Well, it's quite simple. You wanted them to be so desperate, homeless, starving, and now gripped by disease that when the Rafah border with Egypt opens, they will flood into Egypt's Sinai desert. Ethnic cleansing was what the lunatics in the government said and had in mind, and that's what, what they were doing by their actions. But Israel only changed cause when the U.S. found 
somehow it found its backbone for a change and said, no, you will not chase the Palestinians out of Gaza. They said it very firmly. Because it'll backfire on America also that you're allowing even that now, ethnic cleansing. Eh? You can allow the killings, but no, pushing them out, that will be a big step. So Biden and uh, uh, Genocide Joe, they all said, no, 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 no. And then only when Netanyahu saw the writing on the wall, he said, no, 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 no. It was never, ever our intention to do that. Never, never. (laughs) One more thing. The Israeli team said that the attack by Hamas were, uh, could be described as genocidal. Eh? Hamas was genocidal. Now, that's a load of bull, because if that was the case, if that was true, Hamas would have killed the 240 captives and not taken them into Gaza. Hmm. Right? And let's I don't even go and say who killed all those people. 1,400, then it went down to 1,200, now it's 1,100. Who killed them? There's a big story around that. And I can tell you the Israeli team had a tough job in the face of the evidence. In an attempt to put lipstick on the pig, they lied and lied and lied. And finally, dear listeners, as you can imagine, hmm, as I said, my TV must have been having a nervous breakdown and all the shouting. But finally, dear listeners, let me say this. Even if South Africa loses the case, and there is the possibility of that happening because there are rumblings that there is tremendous pressure brought to bear on the judges by their home countries and others also, but especially by their home countries, pressure on the judges for reason I can't go into right now. It's a long story, except to say that a decision on genocide could bite them also, the countries they represent. For example, China and the Uyghurs and Russia and Ukraine, etc., 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 etc. But I want to say this, that even if we lose the case, it's still a huge win, a victory for peace and justice-loving people. Millions around the world have at last seen the vicious, the ugly face of apartheid Israel. There's a new consciousness, a huge blow to Israel's Hasbara, its propaganda, propaganda, that is its long-standing claim that it is the victim of terrorism. Many now around the world see it as the terrorists. Hmm? The curtain has lifted. And in the same boat, people see, is America, an enabler, a supporter, a defender of this terrorist state. But for many, the big win is this. Palestinians have always increasingly felt that they they are alone, that the world has forgotten them in their suffering. And they came along 
a relatively small performer on the world stage where powerful bullies dominate. Yes, South Africa came to the rescue of the Palestinians. Eh? It's remarkable that Hamas broke out of Gaza, broke out of the Gaza siege, and South Africa broke out of the siege put on the world that no country must ever dare to take on Israel in any serious act of condemnation. And freedom-loving people all over the world came out and are celebrating that South Africa did this, exposed the monster. And most touching for me also was the Palestinians shouting, Thank you, South Africa. Thank you, South Africa. Thank you, South Africa. Tears kept flowing down my face as Palestinians sang our national anthem. This is Abi Dauji bidding you all Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.